This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Star Spurs podcast. For today, I am your host, Tommy. With this, or with me this week, is Anthony. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, Joe. Hello. And of course, last but certainly not least, John. Lovely to be with you as always. All right. So, this is our first episode of the season. Essentially, we're kind of doing a, a summer review slash season preview. Um, pretty much, we're just or. For anybody that's listening, um, I would say if, if you followed or casually follow, you, you're just going to hear our take. Hopefully, we might give you some insights. But um, our first thing we're going to do is break the ice just to kind of get into things. Um, we do have a new manager. It was announced right after the Euros. Uh, it was formerly the manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So um, Nuno, he is our manager. I mean, personally, I'm not surprised at the appointment. Unfortunately, it's just how we got there is kind of appalling. But I guess um, for the panel, what are your thoughts on the general hire? Um, like, are you excited by it? Not too excited? Kind of, you're like, whatever about it. Let's see what happens. John, you had your up. What do you got? Yeah, um, I've got to tell you, I'm massively um, impressed with what he's done so far. I thought he did a good job at Wolves, but I didn't really know much about him. He seems to me to be much more hands-on manager than Mourinho. I think the fact that we've got players playing well that did not play well under Mourinho is evidence of um, his man skills. And um, I, I just think he's great. I want to give him all, our, all my support and I hope everybody else does too. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you, John. Like, I think everything I've seen about him, I actually do really like. I think a lot had to do with how we got to the Nuno appointment, where there was all the the Conti rumors and the Pochettino returning rumors, um, and and all that got wrapped up in that. And then the negativity online that we saw that when Nuno finally was appointed, everybody was like, well, this, this is the worst choice ever. And he certainly isn't like he he's a very likable guy. He has uh, good fitness levels. I I think he he's played a, several different styles. I do think he leans a little bit more defensively than we probably would like like to to see. But I think he's capable of other types of styles. Um, I think a lot, lot depends upon his situation and the players that he has uh, how he sets up. Um, but everything I've heard about his training, I, I really like what I'm hearing, kind of getting back to these basics, like these drills to, um, you know, quick counter and steal the ball away around and keep the pressure on the opponent when they have the ball, uh, win it back fast and make some quick passes and get the ball out to the wings and get upfield with it. And it's it's kind of a, been exciting to watch in training, and I hope it works on the pitch as well. Uh, Joe, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, like you already said, I, I think after all the Pochettino links and the Conte links, it was a little underwhelming um, to get Nuno at first. Like I, that was certainly my reaction. I was a little 
little underwhelmed. I wasn't massively against the appointment, but I wasn't totally enthusiastic. But exactly like John said, I, I think he's done great so far in terms of just how he's conducted himself. And that sounds like a small thing, but after Mourinho, I've kind of realized a couple of things. Like it's two things are really important as well as the results. And one is how you like present yourself as the figurehead of the club, you know, just how you interact with the media, the way that you, you know, just the way you behave. And like so far, he's just exemplary. Like, for example, he got asked a question about transfers and he, he refused to discuss players who weren't like who weren't Tottenham players. You know, he didn't do what Guardiola's doing, talking about Kane. I know we're going to come on to that, but he he didn't do that. And I thought that was very classy of him to do that. And secondly, just the style of football that Anthony talked about then. Under Mourinho, the football was pretty terrible, let's be honest, as well as the results. The football itself was pretty dire. And it looks like, based on pre-season, we're going to see better, uh, more entertaining football. So I'm all for that. So I'm totally behind him. I think it's a good appointment. John, what do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say something that you're going to hear a lot from me this, uh, tonight. And that is that the press in England have been dictating the way that we, the fans should think and I think they started to dictate how we should think about the new manager which made the situation a lot worse and um, I think as I said as we discuss other things tonight you're going to hear a lot of that from me I'm just totally disgusted with the with the British press I know they've got to sell uh, uh, newspapers or whatever it is they try and sell but it's uh, it's just been absurd and uh, I'd, I'd like to see the Spurs fans decide that they're not going to listen to this crap because it, that's exactly what it has been. So they're feeding yeah, into I, negativity, to your point, John. They're really like uh, uh, the media can see that fans are uh, upset about a variety of things. Like we had a, a poor performance compared to our previous four years, so they're taking that discontent and, and trying to drill at home to sell papers and, and get attention online. And um, it's really bad for Spurs, uh, to, to your point. And, and I don't think it reflects how Nuno has been as a coach in his history um, to, to this particular topic. But it, it goes to a lot of different topics, as you said, John. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I interrupted you, Tommy. Yeah, I would say, like, Nuno, he's had some decent credentials. Like, he's managed Porto. He's managed Valencia. Wolves, he got cha- he won the championship with them. He's not bad. But, I mean, like, how John, you're saying with the – how the press has been going. I mean, I would say you and Joe, I mean, can you guys be really surprised? I mean, we were kind of the butt of the joke for a while, whether it be just – how we performing, how we've been bullied, whether being transfers for a while. I'm like, we'll, like, as Joe noted, we will get to the Harry Kane drama right after this. But, um, you know, it's like, if, if there's, if you ask any fan, like, who's the low-hanging fruit, it's us, unfortunately. So, with that, I mean, with the way the, the press makes us out, I'm not horribly surprised, but unfortunately, it's kind of, you have to roll with the punches type deal. But uh, I don't know. I, but I guess the other thing is, I think it was George John who mentioned in our group chat. It's 
we we have to get behind the manager, whether it be in the stadium, just personal feelings or whatever, because we were not fully behind Jose. I know he a lot of he led to his own demise, but this is and we'll talk about this over the course of the episode, but I feel like this is gonna be a transitional year. So depending on how the signings do, how the team plays, I'm like this in theory, could be something that could we could build off for next year. Because And definitely fingers crossed, because if I remember correctly, uh, Nino did sign a two-year contract. So this year, hopefully he can build on next year. Um, we could actually do something and build off of that. But we'll see. Uh, John, two, you- two, two years with the third-year option uh, that we have. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that, look, I didn't like – the appointment of Mourinho, but I supported him 100% once he got the job. And um, that's what we've got to do about this guy. I don't care if you like him or not. We've got to support him. He's our guy. We achieved nothing by complaining about him at this point. Sounds good. Okay, so next up on the agenda, we talked about, everybody knows about it. It kind of cooled down ever so slightly. It's the hurricane drama. So for those who don't know, he was actually supposed to come back to training last Monday, which is August 2nd. He didn't. There was a few rumors saying that, like, oh, he, he was in the Bahamas or, in Flo- or no, he was in Florida. And it was like, oh, he like he was supposed to come back in a few days with a negative test. Um, I think it's been debunked. He pretty much went on strike. I think the biggest thing that forced Harry to kind of grovel and backfire with his Twitter response is the fact that Lionel Messi left uh, Barcelona. And I mean, now allegedly he's supposed to sign for PSG, but I mean, in theory, he could go to Man City because those are both clubs have the money. Um, And for those who don't know, with the Twitter response, Harry wrote in a picture. Uh, it's almost 10 years since I made my Spurs debut. For every one of those years, you, the fans, have shown me total support and love. That's why it hurts to read some of the comments that have been made this week questioning my professionalism. While I won't go into the specifics of the situation, I want to clarify that I would never and have never refused to train. I will be returning to the club tomorrow, which was sometime last week, as planned. I wouldn't do anything to jeopardize the relationship I have with the fans who have given me such unwavering support during my time with the club. This has always has been the case as it is today. Um, it's, I don't know, for me, it sounds like something a politician would write up. It's a, I've addressed the situation, but I've, I've given a non-answer. Uh, or if, for anybody that's on Facebook, essentially he's fake booking. He's like, like I said, address the situation, but it's like, but you never really done anything about it. But um, John, we'll go to you after Joe, but like uh, the reason I want to go to Joe first is because in our group chat, he was highly critical of Harry Kane, but mostly because of Charlie Kane. So I kind of want you to get the ball rolling with that and your thoughts, because it sounds like based on what you're, you've been saying, the reason this whole thing has been happening is just because of Charlie Kane, his lack of experience. Uh, and for those who don't know, of course, he is Harry's brother. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's a lot to unpack, so I'll, I'll try and be concise about it. But I think the the issue here predates this kind of going on strike that 
allegedly going on strike situation. If you think back to the end of the last season, um, this interview that Kane did with Gary Neville, where he kind of alluded to the fact that he wanted to leave, basically, reading between the lines. And it came out on the day that we played Aston Villa in a league game, which we still could have got in the Champions League. Crazy as that sounds, considering how bad we were at the end of last season. But we only missed out by, a, I think it was five points. And we still were in contention, certainly for the Europa as well. And that just had such a destabilising effect on that day, that game. We played really bad. Kane had a terrible, like, he did barely touch the ball that game, really subdued performance. And then obviously the kind of theatrical clap into the crowd at the end, kind of Oscar nomination worthy performance to sort of say, right, you know, this is my grand farewell kind of thing. So it's not just this going on strike or not turning up. It, there's more to it than that. So I, I think that that, that had a really bad effect on the team, that behaviour, and it could have just waited a few weeks. And what I will say here, in defence of, of Kane as well, because I obviously don't want to you know, turn on Kane completely and say I, I hate him or anything like that, but if he, like, it's not the fact that he wants to leave that's the issue. Like, everyone gets that. We watched a team last season. He was the best player by a mile. Like, he's one of the best players in the world. No one would deny that he deserves that platform of, uh, Champions League football but there's ways about doing it like this could have been the easiest PR win in history if Kane would have done basically what some of you may remember what Wayne Rooney did in I think it was 2010 where basically he came out and said right the board aren't buying good enough players we don't we're not showing any ambition I want to leave because this isn't good enough and every no one really turned on Rooney from the United fan base they were all like supportive of his message and on the case of the board and bearing in mind how unpopular Enoch are at the moment, the Trust just did a survey that came out with their popularity. It was like basically no one supports the uh, Enoch at the moment. Kane could have just framed this differently and been like, look, I love Tottenham, but the board aren't back in the club. We didn't buy a player for 500 days after we had that great team in 2016. I'm sick of it and I want to leave. They, he would have been supported. I would say our fans were sympathetic to the point of, encouraging him to leave almost it was so the he had so all the right cards like he'd been dealt such a good hand and he's just I can't really come up with a good poker analogy because I don't understand poker but he's just completely fluffed the like he's messed it up completely by the way he's acted like if he'd have just shown up to training like Jack Grealish did not said anything kept his head down none of this would have happened and now we've got the fans annoyed at Kane and the last thing I'll say before, I'm sorry, I'll let other people talk, but I found this statement that you just read, Tommy. I, I didn't like it at all because to me, it just talked about, oh, I'm hurt that, the, that people are questioning me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'd been at the club 10 years. There was no like warmth in that statement. No, like, oh, I love the club. You know, I'm Tottenham. I didn't say anything about that. He just kind of yeah, said, yeah, it was oh, very robotic. It was very, like you said, a good way of putting it, like you said, a politician's thing. If you compare that again to Grealish and how he clearly loves Aston Villa, he's clearly torn. It's a dilemma for him. And everyone kind of gets that. And I just feel that Kane has just gone about this in such a bad way for every, from, from his own point of view, from the club's point of view. It's just, it's a real mess uh, overall. Oh, John, go ahead. You know, Joe, I normally agree with you, but there's lots of things I disagree with you about that. I think your your point early on when you said reading between the lines and 
you can read anything between the lines. Um, you're reading something into his statement when you're reading between the lines. If you just take the statement as it stands, it's short, concise, and to the point. Um, I think a huge amount of what went on was the press building up, trying to make a story out of this. And, of course, they love to make a story out of this. Most of them don't support Spurs anyway because there's, what, 28 teams in the Premiership. Therefore, there's going to be 28 diff 27 different teams that they support. They love to pick on Spurs and they love to pick on what we do or do not do. And in this case... Um, whether or not he was due back at training on the Monday, they said that, that everybody said he was supposed to be back on or whether he was due back the day he arrived. We don't know that. We can read between the lines. And I suggest we stop reading between the lines and just try and take things on face value. Um, I do agree that the notification just before the Aston Villa game, um, whatever that was, and I'm still not sure, again, that that wasn't press talk, did impact his performance that day. But whether or not he said what he was supposed to have said, I don't know. And I think, we again, I think we should stop reading between the lines. Actually, um, over to you, Anthony. Actually, sorry, I'll be very quick. Um, John, here's my question for you. Hugo Lloris, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, uh, Ben Davis, etc., like anybody that was on international duty during the Euros was slated to come back that Monday. Of course, as we already know, Harry did not come back. Do you do you believe there was an exception, or like what act? Like I know we're not supposed to read between the lines, like you say, but I mean, any of us or any Spurs fans, like that's fishy. Like you like somebody's thinking something's up if you're not showing up for a first day back on vacation. Well, I think you've got to, for me, you look at this, what's he done? He's played the world cup. He played the premiership. He played the world cup. He played the premiership. He played the European championship. He hasn't had a break. Um, is, does he deserve a little bit of extra time off? Yeah, sure he does. No, I don't disagree. I mean, he's going to come back. He's allegedly, he's fit enough to play against Manchester city. Um, if the, if the guy gets, uh, if the guy wants another five days off, he can have another five days off, but let's I not guess... create something just out of that, that doesn't exist because the press want to say something. No, that my I, answer I, to you. well, I don't disagree there. I guess my parting thought is I would, if that was the case, I mean, it, it, it very could be, well, could be, but my thing is one would have assumed the club would have said something, but I mean, well, and, damage and has been done. So Tommy, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this. Too. I, I have trouble Sorry. just, I have trouble just blaming the media on this. Yes. Obviously I think there's this media, but the media are taking advantage of the situation and being that it's Tottenham. I totally agree with that, that your point there, John, but this was something that was uh, um, a media, media debacle that, was created by Harry Kane and his brother. I mean, from the very beginning, we already talked about back uh, during the season when he uh, ruined things before the Aston Villa game. Um, right when he was coming out of the Euros, he had a, a, a anonymous player on the England squad uh, leak that he uh, he might not uh, uh, return to training. Like that came out um, in the media, and yes, that could have been the media creating that. 
Um, but he, he could have come out and said that's not accurate, and he didn't. Um, and then when this this week started, um, when he first didn't show up, um, either him or the club at any point in time could have said, no, he's not supposed to be back until uh, this Friday. Um, nobody did. And, and, and even when people like Nuno were questioned on it, he, would, he just said, this is something we have to talk about internally. He didn't say that he wasn't supposed to be back yet. Uh, so I, this was very much a, a protest move in, in like, I'm actually kind of disgusted by Harry's message at the end of the week saying, like, does he think we're all daft? Like, oh, you, you just weren't supposed to be back and we've just been bashing you all week and you didn't think that you could have spoke up like on the Internet somewhere, like put out a Facebook message, a Twitter a tweet, something to, to say, like, no, this is just not accurate what the media is saying right now. Um, you had uh, five days to, to correct the situation. And you didn't. That I, and that that's where I'm. I'm kind. Of, he's kind of lost me. As much as I love Harry over the years, he really kind of lost me with this situation. And like it, it, it really made me turn against him. Um, Joe, what do you got? Yeah, just quickly. I mean, Anthony, I think you make a really good point about if this was a genuine mix-up, a mistake, and it made John's John makes some good points there. Like Kane does deserve a break. I wouldn't begrudge the guy the extra week off at all. Like that's that's totally fair enough if that was the case. But as as Anthony just said, like that would have come out the day after when it was all over the the world's press that he's he's on strike. You know, they would have come straight away and said no, he's not on strike. But they waited till Friday. And then released this really quite cold, carefully worded statement after that, you know. Um, so I, I don't think that that really adds up. Um, I mean, just quickly, the, the crux of this whole thing for me is, and Tommy alluded to this earlier, Kane signed that six-year deal, right? He signed a six-year deal with no release clause. And we're halfway through that deal. And it's understandable that he perhaps feels he needs to move on or whatever. But the the reality is he's got to be respectful of that contract and he's got to be respectful of the fans and the players. And you can see that there's all like Anthony alluded to it. There's a bit of discontent because no, no one's none of the current players have like liked his comment on Instagram or Twitter or like it's noticeable that none of the players and like Eric Dyer's posting cryptic messages about legacy, you know, to do with Michael Jordan and that are obviously alluding to Kane. So I, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a lot more, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah. I've got, I've got one more thing to say on this and that is that, do you think that the club should respond to every piece of rubbish printed in the English press? And I think the answer to that is no. So therefore, why should they respond to this? Now, I do, I'm, I'm with you a little bit. I think it would have been better had they said something. But if they've got a policy to non-respond to any of this scurrilous rubbish that is being printed, then this would just follow on with that. Um, so yeah, John, that's a, that's a, John. That's a really good point. Like the club doesn't have an obligation to come out and and deny every rumor. For, I agree with you, but from Kane's point of view, he's England's captain, right? He's got his quote unquote brand and his image, and his image has been cultivated over the last decade as this 
cleaner than clean model professional. And if you've been accused of going on strike and that's not true, you would not waste a second to get a statement out and be denying. I'm, you know, it, the fact it went to Friday suggests and I, the word strike is perhaps a misnomer. It's more, a, I don't know, some sort of a power play, whatever. Um, but what really troubles me on this, John, I've got to say, is that Nuno, as our new manager, who's trying to, you know, come in and do his best, is put in an awkward position where he's got to answer these questions. Like, to Anthony's point, if the if it was a genuine misunderstanding, Nuno could have just said on Wednesday after the Chelsea game, oh, you know what, he wasn't due back till next week. It's just a bit of a... But he didn't because it, it's, that patently wasn't the case. So he wasn't able to say that. And moreover, just lastly on this from me, what I found very weird and disrespectful, to be honest, is Nuno revealed he's not, Kane hasn't spoken to him since he took the job. Now, irrespective of whether Kane's going or not, Nuno's been in charge for, what, six weeks now or something like that? I, I don't know exactly. Let's say six weeks. You're the vice captain of a football club and you've got a new manager who's been there for six weeks and you've not like picked up the phone and said, oh, you know, welcome to the club. You know, there's a bit of uncertainty about me, but I, I, let's ignore that. I'm welcoming you to the club. I, I, you know, he could have easily done that. I find it incredible that that's not happened. And I, I think that's indicative of his kind of, and I am speculating. Yeah, I am speculating, well, but I, I find well, that disrespectful. And it was reported that they were supposed to be meeting on, it was in the media that they were supposed to be reporting meeting together on that Monday when when the media said that Kane was coming back to camp. Like, oh, everybody was saying, oh, Nuno's preparing to meet with Harry Kane and discuss his future because right. you had those like 160 million rumors that City debunked that were released in the press by Charlie Kane like a, a week or so earlier, like that there was an offer on the table that wasn't really on the table. Um so they had already said at that point, like, oh, yeah, we're going to meet with Kane and talk this out when he gets to camp on the uh, on that day. So it's it's tough to argue that it wasn't he wasn't supposed to be back till later. Right? It just doesn't fit with me. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, based on what John said earlier, I I don't know if he'll agree with me on, but like, I'm kind of taking that side of it where, I mean, we don't really know what happened. I mean, if you're a new manager. One would think, A, you're going to talk to the captain, vice captain, a.k.a. The, the guy who makes everything go in the team. He's the biggest star. I mean, I know Hugo Lloris is the captain, but you ask who, who's the biggest name in Spurs, it's Harry Kane. So, I mean, the argument can be made that Nuno or Harry did reach out to him, and he's like, you know what, worry about the Euros, let's talk about it when you get back. The other argument could be, Nuno reached out. He's like, how are you doing? Um, can we have a brief conversation before you get in? I want to know where you stand with the club. Harry could have ignored it. You know, we we don't know, ultimately. So, I mean, unfor I mean, we're going to have to wait to figure out how this un unfurls and whether it be Harry releases this into a book or maybe we will never know. But, unfortunately, that's the life of uh, being a Spurs fan, I guess. Um, anybody have any final thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I I just think Harry should look at maybe hiring an actual uh, <laughs> agent instead of using his brother for the service. Um, I've met Charlie once in, when he was living in New York, when I went to New York Spurs. Nice guy. I, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that can uh, um, manage this big type of uh, player. Yeah. 
uh, transfers and and uh, and negotiate these types of deals in the right way. And that's uh, no shame to him. I mean, I'm not going to attack him as a human being. Um, yeah, like, like yeah, I, I, some people do, but uh, but I just don't think he's equipped to ha- handle this type this level of transfer. <laughs> yeah, I was I was telling Peter yesterday at the bar. I'm like, you know, I met Charlie Kane what in Nashville four years ago, give or take. And I'm like, you know, very nice guy, very sociable, um, nice manners and all that good stuff. I, but I was telling Peter, I'm like, and Joe was alluding to this in the group chat. I'm like, it sounds like he doesn't actually have any qualifications. He just got to become Harry Kane's agent just because he's his brother. So I'm like, for me, how you were saying, like, Harry Kane probably should get an agent and Charlie should just be his manager that manages his affairs. So, like, for example, if you see on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, it's like, oh, for business inquiries or whatever, email Charlie Kane at whatever. And then it can be – and, like, so, for example, like, hey, we want Harry to uh, do a quick 30-second blurb about the podcast. Charlie would be the one to do it or to talk to him about it. And then the agent could be the one that writes up the contract or review the, reviews the contract and so forth. But I mean, it, you it, could it, just give your brother money. I mean, if yeah, you money, just buy him a house. That's what they normally do, isn't it? Buy buy <laughs> buy, a, buy, a, buy a house for him. That'll sort it out, you know. Or do Michael, or be like Michael Owen and buy a whole block for the family. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, okay. So enough of the negativity. Let's talk about the positives. Uh, let's talk about transfers. So I'm going to review this first, and I'm going to do this piece by piece. So um, this is going to be the bulk of the conversation because we do have some new signings, whether it be loans or obligation or actual signings. So we did get Romero and Golini from Atalanta. Golini is a goalkeeper. By the looks of it, he is, or it's, I think it's a two-year loan. He is, sounds like, um, or Hugo Lloris' contract is at the expires at the end of the year. So what's going to happen, I think he's going to be slowly integrated. And then next year, the job is his. Um, Romero, highly touted center back from Argentina, was at, on loan from Juventus. The link with that is uh, Paratici, the, the uh, director, signed him um, to Juventus. So we kind of got lucky with that. And we also got Brian Jill from Sevilla. He got, he played, he's from Spain, of course. He got a silver medal in the Olympics. Um, as of right now, so three signings, not too bad. It's kind of kind of just replaced players for right now. We're not building depth just because of the circumstances. But what are your guys' thoughts? Joe, what do you got? Well, just my, my first reaction was I can't believe we got Romero. I mean, this guy is a really good center. But this could be a game changer for us because – you know, last season we had Kane and Son playing fantastic and Bale, uh, when he was given a chance, playing fantastic. But it was obviously the spine of our team, the defence in the central midfield that was the the problem. And if you basically look at any successful team in history, look at every team that's ever won the Premier League, you can get away with not having a great striker. Chelsea won the Champions League with Werner in attack. He's not a great striker. But if you've got good central defenders and a good central midfield, you're going to do well that's the trend always that's the case and this guy is I've seen a lot of him in uh, Serie A for Atalanta um, I didn't see much of the Copa America but I know he marked Neymar off and 
did a good job and Argentina won that game. He's a superb defender, a massive upgrade on anything we've got in defence. Um, so for me, that's that's a game changer. Of it. I'm so happy with that signing in, in particular. Uh, John, you had your hand up as well. What do you got? Yeah, I, I agree with Joe. I agree with you this time. Um, and that's, well, no, that's I feel a better nice now, feeling. Mate. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. sure you do. But uh, <laughs> I think we're seeing the uh, the effects of having this. Is it Patricia? I'm not sure how to pronounce it as uh, handling all these things, because obviously oh, it was oh, his the director. Yeah, the director Hirotichi. of uh, football. Um, obviously, it was his contact that managed to get us Romero. I don't think that would have happened without him. Um, Gallini, I didn't know much about, but certainly when he played uh, against Chelsea, he looked very, very good. Um, and Gil, as you said, or is it Gil? Or again, I don't know how to pronounce I, it. I think Gil. it might be I like think Gil. Gil. Yeah. Yeah. Gil. Okay. A lot of knees or a throw to it. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll do my best with that then. Um, he looks like he's a very competent player that can step in. Um, and again, as Joe said, we didn't have much wrong with our attack. Um, the defence was was weak. We we always held our breath with Sanchez was playing. Um, you know, we have lost uh, Alderweireld. Um, I understand why he went. And I know we're going to talk about the outgoings in a minute. But uh, I'm... I don't think we're done. I think there's going to be more players coming in, and I think we're going to be wonderfully surprised at how good uh, the the players are that we're getting in. Oh, and just a side note, I forgot to mention this, um, but I kind of tied in the needs, wants, and rumors at the end, so we'll get to that, of course. But, Anthony, what do you got? Uh, yeah, well, I, R- Ramiro, like, I did watch some of the Copa, and uh, he's a very exciting player, and, like, I don't think we've had... Uh, uh, this good of a defender come in since uh, since Toby was coming in in his prime, and um, I, I'm really excited. I think it's going to it's exactly what we need. Uh, we need to shore up that defense. Um, I do think that we need to fix some stuff in the midfield as well. But yeah. I think this is definitely a good start, and I think if we can bring in another player, it doesn't have to be another like 50 million euro transfer. Um, but we need to get, I think, another center back to, to pair with Ramiro and, uh, and obviously right back. But, um, but I, I think he's a great start, and I'm excited about him. Gallini, I, um, I, I think it's a smart move now to start looking at potential replacements for Hugo because Hugo's probably not going to be there after this season. This is a guy that came up through the United system, um, um, I think there was even rumors that there's a chance that you might be able to uh, argue that he's homegrown, uh, uh, but I think that no. might stretch. I actually looked at that. So the reason he isn't homegrown, um, similar to uh, Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer. Yeah. For, Eric, for those who don't know, Eric Dyer was through the Sporting Lisbon system, and he had like, I think, a handful of months at Everton before he was 21. But what it is, is you actually need three full years between the years of 18 and 21 to actually qualify as homegrown. Uh, so I, I think he left after like a year and a half or two years. But I mean, like if, if he's worth it, then it's not going to matter. You're going to have to find the homegrown talent somewhere else. Yeah. And regardless, I think it's, um, it, it's somebody he's, he's not stellar, but he's very good. He, and he's, I think he's going to get a lot more minutes than our previous, uh, 
uh, second string goalkeepers have gotten, um, which I think we're going to get a chance to see if this is the guy that we want to replace uh, Hugo with. And I think that's the smart move to start thinking about that now, rather than getting ourselves into the pickle of ha- not having him anymore and, and having to bring somebody in last minute. Um, so uh, smart move there. Um, it loan with the option to buy. So you have the, uh, that becomes automatic if he gets a, n- enough playing time that would you probably indicate that he, you want to keep him around. Um, but I'm actually very excited uh, about Brion or whatever is, uh, um, however pronounce his last name, Hill Gill. Um, I, all the video I've seen on him, he, he, he really has some stellar stuff. He's, uh, he's been very effective against, uh, uh, in one of the top leagues. Um, he's young and raw, not necessarily a position that we needed. Um, but, uh, I think it's smart, smart if we're really going into a rebuild to start bringing in these types of talents now that might be able to step up over the next couple of years. So I think, uh, that was some savvy business there, especially with moving Lamella the other direction yeah. to get a good deal on it. Um, yeah, my only, my only issue with Brian Gill or Hill is that he's very technically sound. He's fast. This is qualities of a Spurs side that we have loved this past decade. My only issue is he's what, maybe 150 pounds if we're if we're lucky. I might be generous. So my only issue is that he he's probably gonna need to beef up because yeah. he I'm not sure if he can withstand the physicality. Yeah, he might be able to take the bumps, but whether it be injuries or actually bouncing off of players like we've seen like Luka Modric and Moussa Dembele of those previous years. Um if you know, it, maybe he might not need to. He could be like Gianfranco Zola, be that tiny guy and not need to be well-built and still, you know, be a great player in the Premier League. But you never know. We'll Messi, Messi managed it, didn't he? So I Yeah, think that is true. Right. And he's like no, my, my height and Kevin's height. I do agree with you, though, Tommy. That was my only little concern as well, is the physicality of the Premier League, more, more so than in Spain. And um, that might be an issue. But I... I mean, he's, like you guys already said, very exciting, looks really skillful, um, obviously one for the future, only 20 years old. Maybe that first season we do just kind of use him sparingly, get him used to the league and, and obviously with an eye on uh, him being a first-team player maybe next season more than this season, perhaps. All right, sounds good. Uh, John, you have any final thoughts before I talk about the outgoing transfers? Um, no, I, I agree with everybody. I'm excited and let's see who else is coming in. All right, sounds good. Okay, so next up, we got the outgoing transfers. So for those who don't know, or as we did know, Toby Alderweireld, he went to Qatar for El Alduhail, I'll say. And then uh, Eric Lamella, um, he did a swap plus cash with uh, Brian Giel from Sevilla. So it was, they got Lamella and I think 25 million pounds. Um, last week, it was announced that Joe Hart went to Celtic. So good luck to him. Juan Foyth, uh, as for anybody that has been listening, um, John has been doing reports on him last this past season for his loan update. Um, it's official. He's a VR Real player. And last one, um, John, I don't know if you have any notes on this, but his name is Jubriel Okadina. He got transferred to Cambridge United because he was on loan with them last season as well. But I, I don't even remember hearing about him. 
Yeah, he did a he did a good job at Cambridge. Um, they liked him. He liked them. Um, I think that we saw him as a player that is going to be in the league uh, a long time, but probably not in the Premiership. So, uh, you know, the good thing about these loans is you get to see what a player is really like. And um, uh, so I think that the Tottenham were able to assess what he was going to be like in the future because of his loan at Cambridge. And let's face it, the, the standard at Cambridge, they were in League Two, I think, although they did get promotion, um, uh, is indicative of, uh, of of what he's going to be in the future. So, um you know, not all of these loanees are going to end up at Tottenham. I think that that's, uh, that's why they get sent out. And I think we'll see more of the more action in the loanees um, as we come. There, there's already been a couple that have been uh, established um, for next season. And um, I expect to see some more when we, uh, when we get more in, if you like, once, once we've got everybody that we think we're going to get in um, then they'll start looking at loans. The the one loan I don't understand, the one loan that they're talking about now that I really don't understand is Tanganga going to um, Turkey. Oh, yeah, Fenerbahce. Uh, Fenerbahce, yeah, I'm sorry. And then, um, because I think that he's done enough, particularly in yeah. preseason, to to show that he could be very useful um, to, us th- to us next year. So I think that may be a bit premature. I would like that... that Loan does not happen. I think uh, he indicated he didn't want to go. Didn't he tell tell the club that he he doesn't want to go? I I thought it was kind of the everything was agreed. Um, the decision was up to him. But I yeah, know. I think Anton is right. I think it, they left it open, but his reaction apparently was he didn't really want to do it. And I'm a hundred percent with John on this because if you looked at the performance he put in against Arsenal. And I know it was a quote-unquote friendly, but it's never really a friendly, is it, when you're playing Arsenal or Chelsea like we did this last week? He was great. He was one of our better players. And if we are bringing in this guy, um, Tommy Asu, who plays as like a very defensive right-back, then Tanganga could be a good understudy to him. They're kind of similar style players. And Tanganga would probably get a good amount of minutes for us in this Europa Corps Conference League that we're unfortunately playing in and you know league cup and that kind of thing and yeah i I, i'm with you john i i really hope we keep tanganga i think there's a really good player in there and we should uh hold on to him yeah especially if we get rid of aurier which yeah it looks like it looks like he wants to go i don't think we should let the door hit him in the ass on the way out um but that does leave a short at right back and tanganga can play there so again it's just a bit mystifying that um, okay, so anybody have any other questions or thoughts about the outgoing players? I'll go into loan out. I'll take that as a no. Okay, so John, I'm, I kind of want you to primarily give your thoughts. So the three loans out for right now, I'm kind of new. Troy Parrott going to MP Dons. I don't think he really did that well at Ipswich Town last year. Um, next up is Keon Atete. He is going to Northampton Town. And lastly is Jamie Bowden to Oldham Athletic. Um, they're all season-long loans, and if I remember correctly, they're either League One or League Two in the EFL. So, um, John, what are your thoughts about that right now? I mean, is there still hope for Troy Parrott? Um, Keanu Tete, I think he's like, what, 18? So, yeah, he and, is. And from what I remember, he's highly touted as well. 
Yeah, he's also, as you say, he's very young. And um, it's an extraordinary player that can play in the Premier League at his age. So I think a season-long loan is better for a player. He really gets to fit in with the team, play regularly. Um, and so that, uh, you know, that that's all good. Uh, we have a couple more, but I cannot find them. I'm sorry, I was a little unprepared for this. Uh, no, Tommy. don't worry about it. Um, what, what about um, Sirkin? He, he seems to be going out on a permanent deal, right, to Sunderland. That's a bit of a yeah, surprise, not a now, isn't it? Or it's not official yet, though, but, but apparently that if that is the case, I did read that there is a buyback clause. So yeah. it sounds like... Six Spurs million actually, buyback clause, yeah. Yeah, or it sounds yeah. like Spurs actually have think he actually could be good the issue is he needs playing time and yeah. um he's just under a log jam of whether it be Sessignon, Davis and Regulon right now so that's probably well, it, why it wasn't just the buyback clause it's a, a sell-on clause too from what I heard which I think is just smart business in general like if you have yeah. a player like him that might be good but probably aren't quite good enough to be in our uh, first team yet needs minutes, uh, but we, we don't want to just keep uh, doing doing loans. Um, and the guy really wants to go someplace else. Like uh, at least make it as financially beneficial for us as possible. So like if he becomes really good, we can buy him back and we can bring him back into the squad if we need him. Uh, and it's worth the price to us. And if they sell him on, we get a little something back for it too. So I think it's a win-win situation to send him out that way. It's a, I think it's smart business. It sounds like it's going to go through to me. Yeah, Anthony, I agree with you. Um, I think the two that were on loan last year that will make a mark in the Premiership this year, it's going to be Skip and um, Cessignon, both of which I think uh, I was kind of disappointed to hear that people thought he had an average game against uh, Arsenal and therefore he's not ready for the Premiership because he'd shown in, in other pre-season games mm. that absolutely he was ready and the partnership of him and Hobier in the midfield looks like it's going to be very strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, can... I thought, like, I saw reports like or Facebook groups, people were like, yeah, he didn't play well, but I'm like, I didn't think he played stellar, but I thought he played decent so. yeah second second half he was really good i thought the first half I, I think we weren't great in the middle of midfield first half and probably you know hobie has just come back and all that stuff but i thought skip second half looked really good i he's a, i'm with john he's a he's a really good player we need to give him a good amount of minutes this season i'd certainly have him over winks for example in the i think we uh, all pecking do. order yeah <laughs> Yeah, and the other one that's gone out on permanent loan for a season is um, is Troy Parrott. And, uh, you know, I think he's falling down the ranks of, uh, of the forward that's going to come out of that group, um, particularly with Sterling. I think Sterling's taken his place. Scarlet. Um, Scarlet, I'm sorry, yeah. Scarlet, yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he's going to go on a on a season long loan now again. Um, I'm not going to give up on him, but I think that uh, uh, I, I'm hoping that he's learnt that his attitude off the field has got a great deal to do with his performance on it. And um, if he does that, then I think he'll be uh, he'll be good. But I think he needs another year to show that. Yeah, John, just just very quickly on that. You know, I think you're right about you know. Parrot's attitude. I've I've heard similar things, but 
I suppose we could also say a certain uh, Harry Kane didn't always do great on his loans. You know, he had a, he wasn't great when he was at Leicester and at Norwich. I think he had a couple good loans at Millwall. He was decent at Orient. He was the, but he wasn't always as good as you'd imagine on on his loans. So just to temper expectations with Parrot, I I think there's a really good player in there, and I'm sure we'll see it at some point. We just have to persevere a little bit, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the biggest benefit to Troy Parrott right now is, like I said before, we're kind of in a transitional season. Um, I think a lot of the reason is we haven't been splashing out the cash since the pandemic is just because of it. Um, Daniel Levy was banking on, you know, boxing matches with Anthony Joshua, Guns N' Roses concerts, getting all these revenue from whether it be Spurs games, NFL games. Unfortunately, we haven't caught up yet. I think, I'd like to believe that in a few years, once the pandemic has finally died out, that a the revenue comes in, and we're and we're going to spend it because the loans for the stadium they're long term, so this increases the cash flow. Uh, okay, so the last thing regarding transfers and whatnot. Um, this is kind of a needs, what we need, what we want, and rumors. So um, I'll just start off first. I think we could, we might need another set. We'll need another center back, of course, additional striker, maybe another midfielder. We'll see. Um, but um, as I think it was Joe noted, Takahiro Tomiyasu, right back for Bologna. He played for Japan during the Olympics. Allegedly, the rumor was we had something agreed, but they didn't want to do anything about it because of the Olympics. But that's kind of a moot point right now. Um, rumors will. Rumors were lining up before um, in a previous recording about um, Vlahovic, who plays at Fiorentina, but those have died out. We did get a rumor today about Lautaro Martinez. Uh, allegedly, it was agreed for $60 million, but the caveat is Chelsea is in line to buy Lukaku back for like $100 million back to Chelsea. So that might – that's probably false. Um, another winger – uh, Mikkel Damsgaard from Sampdoria, Danish player, so we might have a leg up on that with Hoybeard. And next up, Noni Maduweke. I butchered his name, but he that name might sound familiar. He was actually a former Spurs youth player. Um, he's now at PSG or PSV Eindhoven, and he is like only 19 years old. Sounds like we might actually want him back. And also, we did talk about. Um, Rumors are flying. Well, Tomiyasu, the rumors are flying with that is because Ori wants to leave and go back to PSG. Nothing happened with that. But Sissoko, he's, I think, in the last year of his contract. Apparently, he's on his way out. And since Ori and Sissoko are allegedly leaving, and uh, Tangai and Dombele wants to leave. And apparently, rumors are kind of heating up again because he did not play in the friendly yesterday against Arsenal. So, of course, these are kind of all interesting, but um, Anthony, you had your hand up? What you, uh, I would say with this segment, it's kind of a catch-all, so what do you want to talk about with rumors, transfers, have yeah. at it? Yeah, well, I'll go at I'll start with the Martinez, because that kind of came out yesterday, and then kind of the rumors have continued to spread today. And you you hear back and forth that, like, oh, okay, well, now that they're, they're selling like Lukaku, they want to keep him. But then they bought a striker, and then everybody knows that their financial situation is just terrible right now, and they have to make lots of money. So if the right offer came in, 
I kind of am thinking on on this one that um, that they were ready to pull the trigger. Then then Chelsea came in for Lukaku. Now they're rethinking it. Um, but if we pushed hard enough, they might still be willing to to, to sell them. And I think we would only push that hard if we do end up selling Harry Kane. Um, like I think if uh, the Kane money comes in, then I think we would probably step up to the plate and and do what it takes to get this one across the line. And I and I think they would probably take the money at that point. Um, but um, but he's definitely an intriguing player, and like a, a, to pl- either play alongside Harry Kane or or in place of Harry Kane, like uh, he he definitely could uh, do the job for us either way. Um, Tommy Yasu, I, I think that's I think that's going to get across the line. I think it's a, they were close to it before the Olympics started, and they had to put it on the shelf for a little bit. Um, but they were, I think they were only a couple million apart, and uh, it was just uh, the, the, the player terms were already resolved with Tommy Yasu. So I think it's uh, just a matter of uh, um, getting back to the negotiating table and uh, working out the difference between what uh, what they're asking for. Um, at Bologna, um, as far as like the Damsgard, uh, Maduke or whatever his name is, I think those are a bit more like fringe needs. I don't think we need wingers as much right now as we need, uh, um, maybe an attacking midfielder and a, uh, um, certainly a right back and, um, another center back, um, and a striker. Like, uh, Going for more wingers just doesn't seem to make much sense to me at that at this point, and and unless we're trying to replace like Harry through three players, uh, uh, like just three good, very good players, as opposed to having one stud player. Um, but that's kind of where I fall in all that. I mean, I think Aria Sissoko and Ndombele probably are all going to be sold at some point, even if it's not this window. It, it might be the winter window or next year, but I think those guys are certainly up and we're, we're trying to get money for him but uh, that, uh, i think that's my piece i'll let you guys go uh, yeah um i think uh, just moving on from what you were saying the tommy yasu rumors if if the club know more than we do and he's definitely coming in that makes the loan for tanganga make more sense so perhaps there's more to that than we know about it. Um, as far as Martinez is concerned, from what I've read, the plan is to play him up front with Kane. So um, apart from the fact that I think all these rumours about Kane leaving are rubbish, I think he would be a good, you know, then we would have, a, you know, Son and Martinez and Kane up front. My goodness, that would be uh, uh, just fantastic. And then Maduke. Um, I, he's proved positive that we don't always get it right. You know, he's uh, he was part of our youth and we let him go and now he looks like he's going to be a superstar. So we don't always get it right. But, uh, you know, hopefully we do most of the time. And then finally, my thoughts on Aurier, Sissoko and Ndombele is if they go, we'll stop agonizing about whether or not we should play them or not. Um, Aurier would have a good game. And we'd all go, oh, that's good. He's playing all right now. And then he'd have a bunch of bad games and we'd say, well, he needs to go. And then he'd come back and have a good game. So he was inconsistent. Sissoko the same way. Um, He's never lived up to his potential, in my opinion. And when when he comes on, it's usually a disappointment. So it shouldn't be difficult to get rid of him. 
And Ndembele is an absolute enigma. Um, I don't know what you do with him. I don't think Tottenham knows what to do with him. I mean, he is allegedly the best football player we've got in the squad, technically. But uh, he hasn't shown that. And so once again, we're if we've got him on the squad because of how much money he he's, was paid for him, we feel like we've got to play him. Um, now, uh, the last couple of managers have not thought that way. You know, maybe they're not as pressured uh, to play him because he did cost so much money. They're just um, playing him based on his uh, on the training that he's going in for. But uh, I think, yeah, if all three of those go, we'll stop agonising about whether or not we should play them or not. That would, uh, that's my thought on that. Joe, what do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, John. I kind of, and Dombele, he's, I've kind of run out of patience with him, to be honest. I, um, I think to answer your question here, Tommy, about what need versus want, you know, uh, that kind of prioritising positions, for for sure, you've got to look at the spine of a team, kind of like I was saying earlier, it's all well and good having a great striker like Kane, even having a great goalkeeper like Larice and, you know, having Son as well, if you are getting dominated in the middle of the midfield, you're not going to go anywhere. And as you guys were already said, like Sissoko, you know, he's just not, he's just not up to it. Um, similarly, centre-back Sanchez, although he played well against Arsenal, to be fair, as did Dyer, I, I don't feel confident with him. Um, I, I think the priority needs to be down the middle of the team, right? So another centre-back to go alongside Romero, keep maybe Dyer as the backup there, keep Rodon as, as a younger option and Tanganga can play there too. I think that's pretty good. So if, and it's a big if, I don't want to say this, if we do end up selling Kane to City, I'd be all for trying to get Laporte as part of that deal because I think him and Romero would be a brilliant centre-back pairing. I think we'd be a really strong team with them. In middle of midfield, maybe we could even try and get Bernardo Silva, who's trying to leave Man City at the moment as well. That would be great but I, I yeah I'm I'm with you about Ndombele John I think if we're going to play a 4-3-3 I'm going to say Hoybier definitely should play skip probably rotate games depending on the opposition then you'd say Lacelso if it would be one of them and then another AN other as the as the other midfield option Inter just lastly from me on this Inter you guys interest, interestingly talking about the financial situation there I think it's all smoke and mirrors with them denying this Martinez move because it's. I think it's going to be like a fire sale at Inter by all accounts. The Chinese company that owns Inter are basically on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, the Chinese government apparently told them they've got to put all the resources in domestically into China. They're not allowed to invest. It's a whole mess. And I can see Inter just collapsing and all the players going. And if that's the case, then that'll suit our man... Paratici because obviously with his connections in Italy maybe he can grab a few of those players Barella in the middle of midfield played for Italy during the Euros excellent midfielder he would be an absolutely great signing Skrinra for the centre-back maybe as well so there's a few options it's going to be an interesting few weeks following what happens and um, you know let's hope it's you know positive I noticed in your conversations about midfielders, you didn't mention Winks. How do you feel about him, Joe? I, I'm, I'm not as 
I'm not as anti-Winks as a lot of people, mate. I know, like, our good friend Lucas and others really don't rate Winks. I'm I'm not a huge fan of him, to be honest, but I don't think he's terrible. I, I, I'm okay with Winks as a squad option, but I think against the better teams, you know, if you're going up against Man City this weekend and you've got Winks in there, I, I'd have no faiths, mate. So I, I'd rather just skip as that option and, and if we can get good fee for winks i'd happily uh sell him yeah i agree with you i like him a lot more than others do um and if you look at his percentage of passing he's excellent but uh as you say the, he seems to have got on the outs with some of the supporters and uh that, that that's probably not going to do him any good so somebody comes in for him pays good money then okay but uh i would be happy if they kept him Sounds All right, good. Um, oh, Anthony, you've been a little quiet because uh, Joe and John have been down me, but you got any final thoughts before we uh, hit no, halftime? I, I kind of said my piece. I do agree on, like, Ndombele. Like, I think what I'm really frustrated with him right now, like, all the French-speaking players are talking about leaving, and all of a sudden he's whining, like, you're a professional. Um, you know, it's your job to be ready. I, I, I respect the fact that you had a child that I, I have no problem with you taking time off there for that. That, that, that makes total sense. But I, at a certain point, uh, when you're a record signing, you're, you, the amount of money that you're making in wages, which is like a, a big reason why we talked about Toby leaving earlier. Like as much as we all love Toby, Toby got paid a big payday. Um, when you just look at his, uh, weekly wages, um, Similarly, Ndombele's wages are pretty high, and uh, and like you you have to earn those wages. Like you have to show up and stop whining and do your do your job. Like uh, uh, come out there with uh, some fitness level. So I, that that's really what I wanted to add after listening to you guys talk. But I said my piece about everything else earlier. Sounds good. All right, so that's gonna wrap it up for the first half. So our halftime will be a quick minutes. Um, so for those who don't know, Fred, the podcast, Catherine, she's created a spinoff of the podcast called Stateside Spurs Series. Um, she fe- she interviews fellow American Spurs fans and wants to know the story behind the story. Um, as of now, two episodes are up. I was the first episode a few weeks ago, and last week, our very own Anthony and his wife, Shannon, um, their episode was released last Thursday um, so if you want to know about our stories about how we became Spurs fans, they're finally known and documented. So, of course, take a listen to the Stateside Spurs series. And now we are finally in the second half. Uh, Anthony, can you cue up the question from Kyle Mates? Yeah, this will be yep, our so, second half icebreaker. So Kyle Mates asks us, before social media, what did football fans talk about in the summer? And were supporters as toxic towards their own clubs then? And this is probably a good question for both Joe and John here, I would uh, imagine, because like you guys were around well before social media was a thing. Uh, uh, what was it like then? Was was there was it as toxic? No, not at all. I think what they talked about in the summer was cricket. Um, pretty much when the season was over, the season was over. <laughs> um, social media allows us to talk about it twelve months a year, but. Um, you know, the only thing you got in those days was newspaper, and they weren't as uh, as hot on conjecturing as they are now. And so you you pretty much left, as far as I was concerned, you know, Spurs went out of your mind until, uh, until the new season started. 
Oh, John, was Five Live or like Talksport? Was it not as big as it is now? I'm I I left before Talksport started. So Talksport's more recent. Joe will probably know more about that than I do. Yeah. I remember like Five Live came about like mid nineties and I remember like football talkings on like Danny Baker for John might be familiar with like there's presenters. They did have like it was like a precursor to talk sport, I suppose, but it was a bit more civilized. Um, you know, it wasn't quite as like Kyle says in his question, toxic and overly opinionated. But John, I was just gonna say, um, and I, I love this question because it made me think like what I really miss about this like pre-social media is as well as the dialogue between fans that we you know don't like to see on there, which is often quite hostile. But I loved the shock transfers. So, for example, I can remember as a kid, how old was I, like 11, 12, whatever, 13, when Klinsman signed. Like that was unbelievable because he was like a superstar. He's one of the most famous footballers in the world. Tottenham had almost got relegated the season before. So expectations were low. And then it was just there in the newspaper one day is like Alan Sugar on his yacht with Jurgen Klinsmann. And it was just like, wow, you know, you can't, you'll never get that in the modern era because you get all the drip, you get drip fed it, you know, day by day. For example, with the Romero transfer, people were calling it a saga. It wasn't really a saga. It was just a normal transfer that lasted like eight days. That's normal, right? It's just that we get drip fed every day updates, you know, every single day there's new updates. Um, so yeah, I miss I miss those days. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Joe, and I'd forgotten about that. But uh, put it in the same category. When we signed Ardiles and Villa, nobody knew yeah. about it, and they just won the World yeah. Cup. It was fantastic, but right yeah. out of the blue. Um, so there wasn't the conjecture. Um, I kind of like that. I must admit, but that's just me. Well, I'll add because obviously I don't have the history going back. But what I'm seeing that happens now that which I think makes it very difficult is uh, with, with this drip drip that you're talking about, Joe. Um, what you have is you'll, you'll have somebody said like Oscar Gold or somebody says something three days ago. And then all these other sources will quote him three days later, even though the situation's changed a little bit. And then everybody starts overreacting. That, oh, well, this Ramiro deal is following through like the. Spurs are blowing it again. They're de- like, and I, and the whole time I was like, I think this is going to get across the line. It just felt like it was going to happen, but I, I could see if you're like, the more you look at social media through those times, the more you start to doubt because it's just back and forth and just the, the, that toxic setting that that, that uh, Kyle's talking about is it's really um, painful to follow anything that's happening. And it's tough to unplug from when you're really connected to a club like like I am with Spurs now. And I struggle with this. It's like, uh, it's not how I want to follow things. It's even though it is more like how Americans have always done this with tra- trades in the summer and stuff like that with baseball. Like this is kind of how we've always done sports, but, um, but it's, it gets to be a too, bit too much with Twitter. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I think that's got something to do with the fact that I don't listen to any, you know, I dismiss these rumors um, because they're not part of my culture. And, uh, you know, you tell me, you've, even though we discussed Harry Kane, um, 
twice since then somebody said, well, it, you know, if Harry Kane goes, I don't even want to talk about that. I don't believe that he's going to go. I think it's all press created. And, um, you know, we even we perpetuate some of this stuff by repeating, um, repeating that. So, yeah, I just I, I think we should treat it um, with as much disdain as we as we uh, treat anything and realize that 95 percent of it is just created by the press. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll just file or I'll just tell Kyle what I did. I mean, since I started, what, in 2002, I just had dial up. So I'm just like, and I'm working in the summer in between, uh, what, sophomore, junior, senior high school or those years. I would just follow Formula One and other racing series. And I would just kind of check periodically or whenever I went to Borders, uh, God rest their soul, or Barnes and Noble, I'll just kind of read the British magazines or the British newspapers that would come out, come there every week. And they'd just be like, okay. So, and it was a much simpler time, let's just say. Um, yeah. You just reminded me of something, and that is that <laughs> uh, in the 80s, the Daily Telegraph came out with a, a sports only section on Monday, which was unheard of. And um, I had a friend of mine working in London, and he'd read it every Monday and put it in the post, and I'd get it Thursday. And sure. that was how you got your information, uh, certainly about some of the lower divisions that you never got anything on the shortwave radio about. But, uh, sure. but yeah, it, it was definitely a different world. All right, sounds good. Okay, so we have our icebreaker, and next up what we have is our season predictions. So let's – this is going to be kind of interesting just with the panel that we have right now. Um, for those who don't know, I actually do keep a spreadsheet of these predictions and also including match day predictions. But, uh, I mean, I think we're all kind of, like I said, this is kind of your transition. We've got a new manager. There's some questions about Harry Kane. We got some decent, or we got some new signings. We got some old guard that left like Eric Lamella, and, well, actually, Danny Rose, he left as well, but, like, him and Eric Lamella, the two longest-serving, or him and Toby Oliver, all those three, they were the long, very long-serving members. They just left. So, the other issue is who's going to step up and be a leader because, presumably, Hugo and Harry will leave by next season at the latest. So, it's exciting times, but it's also nervous times, just... It'll be interesting to, to see how things go. Let's start off with something soft and relatively easy. Let's do the bottom three. Um, and I will go first just to make things or to kind of get the creative juices flowing, so to speak. Um, I predict Newcastle, Watford, and Norwich. Um, Newcastle, they kind of been flirting with it. I mean, I think they have great fans, and, well, Joe's brother is a Newcastle fan, so, I mean, it kind of mm -hmm. suck, but... And the cook at the Atlantic, Drew, he's a Newcastle fan as well, so it'll be kind of sad to see him go, but I would say Watford, mm -hmm. they yo-yo very often, just like Norwich City. Um, and if, for anybody that watches Peep Show on Channel 4 in the UK, the quote, uh, Norwich will never win the league, but they still turn up every Sunday. 
So that's kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of how it goes for them. But um, well, they won the championship though. They won that league. Yeah, but I think Super Hans meant. Uh, yeah, I know <laughs> the, the Premier League. But Anthony, since you had your up, hand up first, who do you have for uh, three relegated sides? I was I was pretty similar to to you. Uh, um, but I, I was my long shot chance for relegation, uh, rather than Newcastle. I was saying that I think this is the year that Crystal Palace kind of falls out of it, and I so I put Palace down there, then Watford and Norwich for the similar reasons as you did. Okay, I've uh, I've got two out of three of those, but my third relegation candidate is also my um, surprise prediction out of this world prediction or whatever. I think Arsenal are going to go down. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, well, why not? We and, love it, uh, love I had, it. Hey, I had Crystal Palace and Norwich. I think Norwich for the reasons that we've talked about, uh, Palace for the reasons that Anthony mentioned. I think Brentford are going to do it on... Um, uh, I think Brentford are going to have more trouble next year. I think first year out, their uh, first year in the Premiership, they'll be flying... Uh, They'll be flying high. And Watford, I think, have got enough to stay up. I think they're going to be flirting with it, but they've got enough to stay up. So, um, I would like so yeah, you heard up. it first here. Arsenal are going down. <laughs> I know you don't drink anymore, but if, next, or if the event that Arsenal <laughs> do get relegated, I'll get your wife a drink or I'll pay for your meal there. Hey, I, you know what? If Arsenal get relegated, I might start drinking again. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I mean... Playing with, you're playing with house money by then. Um, Joe, who do you have? Well, at first I was going to be really boring and just go for the three promoted teams. So that would be Brentford, Norwich and Watford. But that's a bit too obvious. So my my prediction for the team, I'll say Norwich and Watford will go down. Brentford, I think, might just have enough about them to stay up. Burnley, I think Burnley have... We know Dyche is a good manager. Nate's favourite. Nate will probably be... <laughs> cursing me for questioning the greatness of Dyche and I don't question him specifically but I just I don't know I think they might have been kind of found out and they've they've been kind of just dicing with it last few seasons and maybe maybe they'll go down I have no idea to be honest but I'm just throwing them in the mix so let's say those three (laughs) sounds good um let's do actually outlandish prediction because that actually tied in or since uh John brought up um and funny you mentioned Brentford. I actually I threw up an arbitrary number, but I would say, I put up that Brentford will actually be finished above thirteenth, aka a uh, they'll be comfortably safe. I well, don't know. Too out. That's not too outrageous, Tommy. I mean, you don't think so? It's a little bit conservatively outrageous. Well, you know what? I'm going to change it because I had another thought. But um, but I I mean they they've been flirting with promotion for so many years. Yeah. They have, uh, they finally made it. They got a new steam. They want to make an impression. So that's why. But you know what? I'm going to change my outlandish prediction as well. I'm going to say West Ham will flirt with relegation or be in the relegation or finish in the bottom six. Say that. Sure. Don't let John bump you into changing your choice, sir, Tom. Well, I'm going to keep both, (laughs) but I'm going to, I'm going to make the West Ham my primary one. But, and I'm going to say West Ham because they qualified for Europa. They have, the big stadium of the former Olympic Stadium. They want to solidify their status as being in Europe. I don't even know who they purchased, but 
whoever they purchase is probably going to be a bad signing or whoever <laughs> they pr- will purchase, they're, it's going to be a bad signing because they're probably not going to produce and they'll overspend. So, yeah, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. I'll uh, go, Anthony. Anthony? Sure. Um, so, uh, so my outlandish prediction is that Manchester City does find a way, whether it's this window or the winter window, to, to sign Harry Kane this season. So they bring in Harry Kane, but they do not win a single trophy this year with Harry Kane. And Harry Kane does not get his trophy with this, uh, this purchase. That's my Wait, what, prediction. Actually, here's a question, though. When you say a trophy, this literally means FA Cup, League Cup, Champions FA League. FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League. Like, they don't win anything this year. They come in second in the league or, or, or below. I would totally laugh at that. Would it be hysterical? Yeah. That, oh, it would be that, such that, a that, cliche. That's why it's outlandish because, I mean, yeah. it, it seems far-fetched with how good City are right now. But, Fair enough. Uh, but it's certainly if like if Harry Kane left and went to a team in the league, what I would want to happen. <laughs> um, like yeah. uh, like if, if you're leaving us, like I just don't want to see you successful anyplace else. Um, not because or I don't score you. against us is ideal. Until yeah. he wins the World Cup with England in uh, the year after next, then he then he can have <laughs> his trophy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I I could uh, be agreeable to that. I guess as long uh-huh. as the US doesn't win the the US isn't winning the World Cup anytime. So. Sounds good. Uh, we already have John for the always well, prediction. John's got a comment. Well, I've, I've got another outrageous prediction. Tottenham are going to win the league. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Joe, what do you have? So, uh, yeah, oh, so put sorry. those both. You can book both those. So trust me. Arsenal's going down. Tottenham's going to win the league. Well, oh. Sounds good. Double whammy, as they say in Anchorman. I but, mean, Joe, what I, do you have? It's not going to be anything as outlandish as what John's just suggested. The, the I mean... I can't really beat that. Um, I have a strange feeling that Liverpool are going to have a bad season and Klopp's going to leave. I don't know. Like, there's, I think Van Dijk, after being out for all that time, might be a bit rusty, not the player he was. Robertson's injured. I, ju- I don't know. I just think they might struggle for some reason this year. And I think Klopp will leave um, at some point in the middle of the season. I can, you know... I wouldn't be horribly surprised just because you can kind of see that the honeymoon ended a little early. Yeah. When like when Van Dyke got injured, that was like the straw in the camels, or not the straw in the camels back, but like that was kind of the thing that started this snowball effect. Yeah. And and like you notice progressively over the season, like they roared back to to make a little bit of a run, but he's like he's not that guy always jumping for joy and just smiling ear to ear as he was the past few seasons. Well, I don't think you can maintain that. I think he's a brilliant oh, yeah. manager. I'm not like digging out Klopp here. Klopp's a brilliant manager. I, he, I really admire him as a manager, but at Dortmund, this kind of happened. Like he had this great success. Then it just went terrible. They almost got relegated in his last season. He completely blew up. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. Like I just have a feeling that maybe that something similar might happen this season. Gotcha. Okay, so next up, let's just do the the remaining. We'll do the Premier League last, uh, but let's do the trophies. So let's start off with the smaller ones. Let's do Conference League. Um, we're gonna win uh, it. We're gonna really? win it. You yeah, actually believe definitely that? We're gonna. Win. If we can't yeah, win that, absolutely. we're gonna okay. win that. Come on. Yep. John, you agree as you you agree as well? Oh yeah. 
So I'm okay. with that. Anthony, what do you think? I actually had that on my sheet as well. Like, I have us winning the conference league. I think if there's anything that we're going to win this year, it's that. Um, and um, we should. Like, uh, There's no reason that we can't, even with teams dropping out of Europa back into that, there's, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to take down anybody that we come up against. I, I'll, say, I, I'll say winners as well, but I'm very reluctant just because we're not going to have a lot of depth. We're, it's a lean squad we're going to have because we're not building depth. We're just replacing players right now. So, I mean, the only I think the only way we can do it is if we got players that can go flag to flag and not be injured, kind of like the 2009-2010 season. But we so, have no, depth right now. We just have crappy depth. Yeah, yeah. That's Tommy, the, come on. He's right. We've got lots of players. Right. Winks, Winks, and Sizoko. If they're there, they, they're going to do a job against some team from Iceland who finished third. And you know, it's the, this competition's a joke. There's only really Roma and I forget the Spanish team that are in it. There's a half decent Spanish team as well. Everyone else is a complete joke. I mean, this competition's ridiculous. We should be beating them. We could put our under twenty ones out and get to the semi-finals in this. I like that optimism. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It'd be nice to beat Roma in a final. Oh, yeah, that would be that would be nice because I mean I was I was talking to Lucas or somebody past few, or a few days ago about Roma. I'm like Roma's kind of similar to Spurs to a certain degree. Like they're yeah they won the Scudetto in 2001, but other than that, like yeah they kind of flirted with Champions League here and there, and they won the random um, the Coppa Italia, but. They're like they're they're the popular team, but they're not. Yeah, they're never in contention to win trophies. And Totti is like Kane will be our Totti when he eventually stays, right, John? When he gets his head sort, he'll be the Totti of Tottenham. Well, let's just say he's Ledley King is the Francesco Totti, but soon mm. to be replaced by Harry Kane. Let's just say yeah, good. Um. Okay. Let's do League Cup. Let's do a rapid fire for this. I'm. I'll, I don't even, I'm even kind of conflicted. Man, oh, City. Man City have won it four years in a row. They're going to win it again. Oh, but that ruins Anthony's prediction. But I'm saying Man City for this one. Oh, uh, no. Who, where do we That doesn't finish? ruin my prediction, no. Oh, we're saying where we're going to get. All oh, right. Yeah. Sorry, I misunderstood. Quarter, quarterfinals. Okay, that, that's what I put too. Uh, John, Anthony, what do you guys have? We're going to win it. Uh, okay. I had some. Oh, yeah. So I had semifinals for the League Cup. We get knocked out in semifinals. <laughs> okay. Well, the John's um, down for the quadruple here, aren't you, John? What's that, uh, Joe? You've oh, yeah. Down, you've got us down for the quadruple at the moment, I think. Yeah, yeah actually, you know what? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you next. Or I'm going to go for you first, then, for FA Cup. You think we're going to win it? Me? Yeah. Okay. Going to win the lot. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> um... I'm not as optimistic. I'm going to say, what's before quarterfinals? Round of 16? Yeah. I'll just, yeah, I'll just say round of 16. Yeah, quarterfinals is eight because that'll be four matches. And the reason I'm going to say round of 16 is just because if we're going to win the Europa League, some like we can't compete on three fronts like this. Even I mean, yeah, Sissoko and Wings could. Shock the world, but eh. give me some sa- substance first. Um, 
Oh, and Joe, what do you what do you have for quarter? Or Joe and Anthony, what do you have? Um, I have that we're out immediately. The first round that we enter the FA Cup that we get knocked out. Oh, third round then. Yeah, so like so we're we're out right away. Uh, I I just think that uh, we're gonna have bad luck with this competition this year. I just don't feel good about it. Um, and as you said, like there with other competitions, we're a rebuilding team. I think FA Cup is something that we just like, even though we want to do well at, we're not going to. Fair enough, Joe. What do you have? Yeah, you know, I was thinking something similar, Anthony. Maybe not third round, but I'll say we lose in the fifth round. We get a shitty draw away at Chelsea or something and lose. Fifth fifth round for me. Fair enough. Okay, so top six, which hopefully is Spurs. If they're not in the top six, tell me where they, they are. Um, I'll just start off. I don't know, Joe's kind of making me wonder now, but... I already typed it out, so I'm just going to roll with it. But I'll say City, Chelsea, United, Liverpool, Leicester, and Spurs. Um, I know it's going to be – I wouldn't be surprised if we made a run early on and somehow faltered to six because that's what Spurs do, even though I know it's a new regime. But I think regardless, though, if we ended up in sixth place, that's a good season considering the current circumstances. So – um, who wants to go next or their top six? Oh, uh, I'll go next. Oh, oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll go next. Uh, uh, so um, I, of course, because I said City didn't win it year, so I uh, I have Chelsea winning. Um, I just, they've improved a lot with Lukaku. Like they got a good new co- young coach. I th- I think that they this could be their year as much as oh, I don't yeah. want. Them no, to. I think Tuchel's great. I just I could not live with myself saying Chelsea would win. Uh, well, the, the, it's not because I want them to. It's just I think this is what could happen. Um, Fair City second, like they they did a lot last year. Um, like they're kind of in transition. Even if they buy uh, somebody, or if they don't get Harry Kane, then they don't have a striker. Uh, I, so I'm putting them second. I think they're going to drop off a little bit. I have United third. Um, Liverpool fourth. I think they are going to start to sl- Liverpool sliding for sure. Um, they're they're just not the team that they were. I put us fifth. Um, so I think uh, Spurs fin- finish fifth, and Leicester behind us at sixth. Interesting. Okay, so you have Spurs fifth. Okay, uh, John, hand up. What do you got? So I've got Tottenham winning. I think Manchester United are going to have a very strong season and come in second. I think Manchester City are going to slip a bit and come down to third. And then I've got Chelsea and Leicester making up the uh, the next. And then we can go to Liverpool, who I think are really going to drop off. Okay. And lastly, Joe, what do you got? Well, I was very similar to Anthony. Just one difference is I think City will win it, but Chelsea, I think, will be second and that'll be close. I actually think it'll be City, Chelsea, Man United as very closely competing in those three um, all season. Then next after that, even though I said they're going to implode and have a shit season, they're still going to finish above us, and that's Liverpool. Then we're fifth, though, so that's better than last season. And then... Again, like you guys, Leicester are the other team in the top six. Sounds good. Okay. So, oh, Anthony, were you going to do a preview? 
for Man City? Or yeah, I'll do, just... I, could do, I could do a brief preview, and then we have one more question that goes to yeah. City. So, yeah, so I'll um, just say go straight through, and we'll yeah, start so, discussing after that. So, so this weekend, uh, we take on Manchester City at home. That's Sunday, August 15th. Uh, it's 10.30 a.m. here in Chicago. Obviously, we don't have a place in the league yet because this is the first match of the season. Um, but they uh, they do have a, a match on a, a Thursday, August 19th friendly following this match against Barcelona. And then they, um, they take on Norwich the following uh, Saturday. So they've got a couple matches following Spurs. Uh, last five times that we faced uh, City... Um, we, uh, of course, know the League Cup final. We lost 1-0. Um, very sad experience, I think, there for a lot of us that were kind of hoping for a little bit better. Uh, prior to that, we lost them 3-0 in, in the league. Uh, we beat them the prior two uh, times that we faced them 2-0. Both of those were kind of like uh, KG got lucky matches. Uh, and then if we go back to August 2019, we drew them 2-2. Uh, um, and that was in August uh, 2019, right before the pandemic and everything hit. Um, that's probably about all we have for preview on them, because obviously we don't have any goal scorers, assists, or player ratings at this point. Um, but we do have a good question from uh, Shub, so uh, at the real Shub, and asks us: Ten years ago, we opened at home versus City. Uh, Tottenham under siege from rioters. Best player wanted out. Uh, transfer business was still being sorted out last minute on a shoestring. N17 still looked like a bomb site. Uh, stadium apart. Um, what what has really changed apart from our expectations? So he's uh, he's making comparisons to ten years ago. Um, oh, side note: star player wanting to leave. While Man City was the first game of the season, it was actually supposed to be Everton, but the riots happened, of course. But, yeah. Mm. Random, just random nuggeted tidbit. Um, anybody want to go first? J- Joe, go ahead. Yeah, I'll go. I'm, get, I'm presuming it Modric is the player he was re- referring to then, isn't he? As player wanting to leave, star player wanting to leave. I think would it be, would it be Mar- yeah Roger? that would be Mar- Modric I believe yeah because he was uh, uh he, he was able was to remove to Chelsea that wasn't the bail year yeah yeah that bail was the couple of years after yeah um so I think there's a lot changed I think there's been good progress actually in this last ten years because and this is I don't want to beat a dead horse with the Kane conversation you know we already covered it but just to go on to that a second he and the club moreover the club since Kane got in the team we've been in the champions league most of the time this last 10 years we've been in the champions league what five so half a time right it's not like we've been in the doldrums and we've been you know finishing eighth every season like arsenal do you know we're we're actually doing well as a club we have been doing well in the last few years so i'm um i'm going to be optimistic i i think we're going in the right direction yes it's annoying that we've got this situation looming over with what you know the transfer stuff with kane but we're bringing in good players we're ambitious we you know shubes mentions the shoestring but i mean we're spending money on romero and the other players we've talked about so to answer the question i think we're in a better place than we were 10 years ago uh, there's a lot of grounds for optimism and um yeah i think it we're, we're we're better off than we were back then. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I obviously don't have the hit. That's about when I started following or soon after. Uh, so it's uh, I don't really have that type of historical precedent. But um, but I I think we're in a, a good place because we've kind of already started the rebuild. We've got a coach in in there that seems like he's a nice, likable guy. He seems like he's getting the squad behind him. Like I, I, I think we're in a better position than we were back then because I think I, I think that we realize that we have to rebuild. We have to start planning for life after Harry Kane, whether it's this year or more likely next year. Um, one way or another, like he wants to to go, and if we don't start winning, and it doesn't seem like we're positioned well for winning right now. Um, so when we look at this Manchester City game, I think um, it's a good place to start. Let's get this out of the way. Like they have players not available, we have players not available. Like uh, this, a lot of this will be to chance. Maybe it's a, the best time to face City. Um, um, it's like, kind of like last year when we faced them. Um, what September Everton, October right? was it Everton that we started opened with? No, against when we beat Man City last year. Oh yeah, yeah, but then, we slaughtered like, them, oh, oh, and then yeah, yeah, and then like they injury or everybody healed up, and then we won, or and then they slaughtered the competition yet again. But that's such is life, as they say. But John, what do you got? Well, I think that the fact that, that there are some things that are comparable to 10 years ago is interesting, but not very uh, productive. Um, we were in disarray 10 years ago, and we continued to be in disarray for, uh, for a while after the beginning of that season. This year, I think we've got our ducks in order. Um, I've already said I think we're going to have a great season, and uh, – I think any any reference to some things that are similar ten years ago are just coincidence and not really relevant. And um, yeah, I think the Man City game is going to be enormously difficult to predict. Um, we don't even know who's going to be on the field. Um, it's, uh, but you know, obviously we'll all have a go at that when you when you want to hear our uh, predictions, Tommy. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll get that into a few minutes because I want to talk more about the game because, like, as you said, there's a bunch of variables. Actually, I well, who does anybody know who's not probably not going to play for City? Because Joe, because I yeah. literally have no idea. Fo- um, De Bruyne is not going to play apparently, and neither's Foden because yeah. they're both is, still carrying injuries. Is De Bruyne does De Bruyne is still from? Yeah, he's, he's still got okay. a knock. Yeah, that's the, that's what they're saying. I mean, of course, you never know, but that's the right. That's, that's what I'm the hearing. Rumor that they're both not available. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. I wasn't sure about Foden, or I didn't there's, know about that. There's the potential that Harry's available for us. Uh, yeah, um, the, well, the it might stay, but it seems a little far fetched to me when he hasn't really been training with the team. I think well, it's more likely that maybe we pull him off the bench late if we're if we need a goal or something like that. I think yeah. it's gonna. Kind of like ten years ago, might be the Luka Modric thing, where when Luka Modric was, was angling for a uh, move to Chelsea, Harry Redknapp's like, "Yeah, he's not playing. He's not in the right state of mind." Yeah, and I think that is probably going to be the most likely outcome with Harry Kane, just because, like, you know, Espirito Santo, the manager, I he, he wants to start for right foot. Like, even if he doesn't win, like he needs cohesion and unity with the team. 
So even if they come guns a-blazing and has a great effort and they lose, that's fine. But if they play as a team and there's no disarray, then so be it. Because Man City, I mean, regardless of Foden and De Bruyne, they have a tremendous amount of firepower. So, Mm. and I think, and especially right now, fans are, they're very willing to accept the fact that this is kind of a baby steps type thing. We're not going to come out, you know, first in the league, you know, in by the end of September. But well, except for John, of course. But John, what did you have? Yeah, I I think it'd be better if they started Kane and see how long he can go, rather than bringing him on later. Because uh, you know the the guy, these guys are tremendously fit. And he has been training for the last uh, few days. He's going to be training all week. Um, I think he's going to be ready to go. I, I, John, I'm with you on this because, I, I, Tommy, I know what you're saying about the Modric thing about state of mind yeah. and all that. But at the end of the day, Kane's contracted to play for Spurs. He gets paid handsomely to play for Spurs. If he's fit and available to play, I mean, Declan Rice is playing for West Ham. He's been out and he was in the Euros. Um there's other examples of players um, that have been playing, that played for England that are playing. So I kind of agree with John a bit here. We don't have another striker. We play in sun out yeah. position. It's not ideal, is it? We, we're we not throwing do a Dave job out. Yeah, there's no, like, we don't have Vinicius as someone who plays as a striker. Son, of course, will probably start up front, let's be honest, and Kane on the bench. But I, I'm kind of inclined to agree with John. I'd say, look, Kane, if you're, if you're fit, then we, you're our best player. We want you out there on the pitch. Yeah. Well, no, we'll, I, would, I would disagree. We'll learn a lot by what the what Nuno's decision I think is match day. Like whether like he he's worried that Harry, who's um, been self isolating and playing at the lo- practicing at the lodge, uh, training alone, um, whether he's um, going to affect what he's trying to build over this the the, the practice time. Like, uh, obviously, a player of his quality deserves to be out there, and we need him out there. We don't have any other solutions at this point other than Dane Scarlett. But, um, yeah, I would say, like, right now, as you're saying, Joe, he's more than likely fit. He's he's already competing at a very high level. So I think the only factor into what Nuno would be either to start or put him on the bench or even list him as available – is kind of the vibe about how the, or the vibe of how the team is feeling about him. Yeah, how it affects gonna, the rest of the squad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. if if it's like, yeah, we don't like you, or we think he kind of did us wrong. Probably not. But if if he has the confidence of the team again, which yeah. it's very doable, just because of Harry Kane's talent, then yeah, I it would it would be very plausible to see him at least on the squat, in the squad. Yeah. Ideally, we sign Martinez during the week. We play Kane for 70 minutes and bring him on for the last 20. <laughs> I would not mind You're that at all. Getting a bit ahead of yourself there, John. But yeah. Like well, so. <laughs> well, but this is how we win the league. Kane, yeah, gives, exactly. us a, yeah. Kane gives us a huge lead. Um, Martinez scores in a few other goals for insurance. And we ride off into the sunset. Absolutely. What a great. That's a very thought. bright place. That, uh, a bright, uh, a beautiful picture that you've painted. But I, I just no, you're welcome. Well, I mean, let's be 
I mean, this let's is be a rebuild fair. year. Like, like, yeah. Uh, re- realistically, we're going to have Mora out there, and we're going to have uh, Son and. I- Deli Alley's probably going to be playing middle midfield because obviously Ndombele hasn't shown that he's yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I completely out there. forgot about that. Um, but I mean, so, another so thing it's, though, um, it's going to be friend, we're going to be overmatched. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not overly optimistic as John portrays, of course. But I think the other thing though is like, um, our friend Joe, uh, not British Joe. Well, I mean, he is British, but he's tall, very tall British Joe who's, who has an American accent. Um, I don't want to give out his last name, but I'm like, I, how else am I supposed to describe him? Joe T. Joe T. And yeah, Joe, Joe T. Joe T. Um, so he, he kind of brought this up in the past where everybody's being negative, And I'm like, I get, I definitely get where he's coming from. I'm like, we're, and here's the other thing. We're kind of turning a new leaf and, we got some new signings. I know Harry's probably going to be on his way out, but, I mean, I'd rather see him prosper, regardless of the way things went down last week. But I'm like, whether it be for a week or two, I mean, let's try to be, you know, being positive doesn't hurt. So let's let's try for a little bit. And hopefully the team doesn't disappoint me as much on Sunday. So we'll see. Um, anybody have any final thoughts? Before we go to predictions. Okay. Actually, you know what? I forgot one thing. Um, so, for those who don't know, the game is actually going to be on Sunday. Uh, 10.30 our time in Chicago. Which would mean 11.30 for me because I'm going to be in North Carolina. Um, so, 10 plus 6. So, that's going to be 4.30 if you're in the UK. Uh, sorry, I'm... Whenever I try to host, I try to do times and TV listings. So, um, so if you're in America, you can watch it on Telemundo if you don't have cable or speak, speak Spanish. If not, we are on cable on NBCSN. Um, if you are in the UK, you can go to Sky Go Extra, or they're also on the Sky Channels on Sky Sports Main Event or Sky Sports Premier League. So, okay, let's do predictions. Um, who's brave enough to go first? Because I am not. John? I'll go first, and I'm going to surprise you, because despite the fact that I think we're going to win the league, I think we're going to draw on Sunday. I think it's going to be 2-2, and Kane and Son will score. Sounds good. Um, You know what? I'll go first, because Joe and Anthony don't seem too keen yet. (laughs) I'm going to say, I would like to believe that we can score two goals, but I'm going to say we're going to lose 1-3, and I will say, I mean, even if Kane plays, I mean, he could be fine. I don't know about if his head's going to be in it. or I mean, I do believe that he's a very psychologically tough human being and athlete. But, I mean, this, I mean, let's be fair, based on what I believe to happen, him going on strike and trying to force a transfer kind of backfired. So, I mean, I think it'll eventually come around. But I'm going to say Sun would score. He's looked good preseason. Um, he actually finally has rest. He had rest for a change. So I think he'll be our bright spot. Um, Joe, what do you got? The reason I was reluctant is I didn't want to upset John by saying 
we're going to lose. <laughs> but no. Tommy did it first. I'll let you take the bullet for me, Tommy. Well, I got immunity because I'm the host. Yeah, yeah, you took it, right. Good for you. Yeah, unfortunately. I think we'll give them a game. I don't think they're going to get, we're going to get embarrassed or anything, but I do think we're going to lose narrowly 2-1. Um, but I am optimistic about the season. I just think City will probably just just, just beat us on Sunday. Um, a goal scorer for me, I'm going to say Delhi. I think Anthony mentioned this earlier. I don't think Delhi's really suited to central midfield, and uh, the, uh, he, he's better up the pitch. But he so, somehow gets in brilliant positions still, even from centre mid. Should have scored, could have easily scored a hat trick against uh, Arsenal this weekend in that friendly. Hit the post twice. I think he'll score for us, but we'll lose. Sadly, we'll lose this game two one. Fair enough. Well, you beat me to the punch, and like I, I like the fact that Delhi is trying to uh, to play a midfield position. Like he realizes that like like the attacking band is probably there's not a space left for him there. Uh, but with the questions in the midfield, if he can uh, prove himself in that position, like there might be a place for him. And I like that he's doing that, and he's certainly trained hard this summer. And I'm definitely willing to give him a chance there. I do think he's going to score as well. I do think we lose as well. I'm going to say we lose 2-3. Um, and um, I think uh, we get a goal from Sun and we get a goal from Delhi in that one. Sounds good. All right. So, as they say in Star Wars, new season, but it's also a new hope. Um, but I don't know. Anybody have any final thoughts before we exit our first episode of the season? Okay then. It's just nice to be back. Uh, yeah, it really is nice to have us have the season coming back. I'm very excited yeah. to watch again. Like regardless of whether, like I'm going to be there for matches in the conference league. As as much as I hate that we're in that competition, I'm going to be there watching them week in, when yeah. out, week out, and, and it's just exciting to have have it back. And hopefully, we can keep the crowds there, and we don't have like another. Uh, COVID surge that prevents us from being able to ex- experience that as a group together again. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, and I'll and I will echo the sentiment sentiment of it's nice to talk about Spurs again because I mean I'll admit there was some soccer talk with the Euros, but for me it was I was all about Sweden, of course. Think if we made the knockout stage, even though we don't play the greatest football, but. Hey, what are you going to do? But, and then I had Formula One distract me a little bit. And then the past few weeks I had the Olympics. So it's kind of nice to actually take a break and get into the swing of things. I'm, you know, re-energized. I know, like I said, I know it's a bit of a transition, but I, I, I am hopeful. Yeah. So let's see how it goes. But John, yeah, I, I agree with you all. It's great to be back. Um, anybody that thinks that I'm on something because of my predictions, uh, I'm not, uh, <laughs> <laughs> however much you may think so. Uh, I also hope that uh, Spurs manage to sort this uh, COVID thing out because I'm hoping to go back for a game in September, but I'm not sure if they're going to let me in because I've been vaccinated in the US and uh, that appears to be an issue right now. But yeah, it's great to be. Uh, I love the season. I hate the off season. I feel like I'm lost. Yeah. Nothing to do, although there are things to do, but it's not like what's in Spurs. So come yeah. on, you Spurs, and let's uh, let's have a great season. Yeah, fingers yes. crossed, and let's hope for the best. 
But as usual, all good things must come to an end. But thank you again, Anthony, for scheduling and production. Uh, myself for editing and sound. Charlie, for the music, your music, whether it be for segments, beginning and end, we are always thankful. Kevin, as usual, for social media. Kimberly, for the logo. Um, we we do come to the Atlantic Barn Grill, but uh, we haven't been recording there, of course. We're doing this on Skype right now. Um, Anthony wants us to go back, of course. So hopefully we'll be back there soon to record on Monday nights. Uh, we are always thankful for them to give us a place to watch the match, of course, and to record. Um, as usual, find our merchandise at Big Heads Media. Um, we are on podcast, or we are on Apple Podcasts, of course, but um, I did add the podcast to Spotify and Stitcher to have a wider range and wider reach for the regular listener. Um, as usual, hit the subscribe button. Write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast. Maybe you don't. Write us something. I don't know, maybe those reviews will actually give us, uh, or it actually will have people see our, or see the podcast, just because more reviews, the better. As they say, any good, or any press is good press. Um, and wherever you get your podcasts, you can review as well, whether it be uh, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Um, as usual for social media, check us out on our Twitter and Facebook accounts. It's at Four Star Spurs, of course. Our website is fourstarspurs.com. You can go there for a bunch of random blog posts, um, our backlog of episodes, Catherine's episodes of Stateside Spurs series is also on there as well. And as usual, come on you Spurs. <laughs> <laughs>